everybody. This is the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. To all the veterans out there, thank you for your service. We are back in the friendly confines of the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network studio. They're also sponsored by the Lou Fuse Automotive Group, who also is involved with our podcast as a sponsor of this great studio. The Podfather's with us. We've got Brandon McNamee. Brandon? Hello, fellow. It's good to see you. Dude, I, how, long across ha- the table. how long has it been since we actually did? I think it's been since August. Oh, fuck. I think, no, it, the I think it was before then. The, before it could then. have been. It could have been July. It was before my mother passed, which was August fourth. Today, yes. Yeah, so it was definitely before that. We ain't been in here in five, Today's six months almost. December the twentieth, two thousand twenty-three. Holy shit! We've got a very interesting and intriguing guest today. Kevin Heaney is going to be joining us. Kevin, how are you? Good, Michael. Thank you, and thank you for having me, Brandon. Thanks for being here. You know, we're going to talk a little bit later in this episode about grief and how to handle loss in your life. You guys have a unique perspective on this stuff, especially a little bit more recently with Brandon, but I want to open with the story about how you guys actually met each other, because I think it's just unbelievable the fact that the way you met each other just told me that we needed to do this particular podcast. Yeah. So let's go back. Brandon and I, we haven't done a podcast, what, we probably since July? Probably. I, I think. think we hit, well, like, 25 episodes, and then we just kind of, you had, your, it was right, in, heat, was right in the heat of your traveling season. And how's that looking going forward from here? You got a little bit of a break, or? Uh, you know, here for the holidays, here, and then, yeah, there's some breaks in there where there's a week and two weeks where we're going to have to So we'll be able to out. knock a few more out here for sure for sure okay good it was september 10th i was at the ameristar casino had some friends in town for a golf tournament and they were staying at the ameristar they called me up they said hey come out of the ameristar i had to leave the next day to go to south dakota for another event Mm -hmm. and so i went out to to ameristar to meet these dudes and i asked kevin i said hey come out got some buddies in town let's go gamble let's grab a bite to eat whatever so as we're sitting watching some guys play blackjack kevin and i are i said to kevin hey i want to have you in on the podcast i want you to get with brandon brandon just lost his mom you lost your parents you know very close to each other a couple years back i figured you guys could really you know compare notes and help some people understand how to deal with this kind of stuff kevin of course was all about it wanted to do it and so i pulled out my phone to figure out what day we were going to do this at this time it was going to be sometime in october Mm -hmm. as we're talking you know and i'm putting the date in my phone kevin looks at me and says hey isn't that Brandon right there? <laughs> and ten feet from us is Brandon McNamee standing. I think you were standing in the the chain the the line. Cashing in the chips. Yeah, you're right, getting, yeah. getting some yeah. money. Yeah, I was cashing the chips. And and to be fair, I don't go there all Neither the time do I. at all. Like, I had not like, years. It wasn't like a, I'm a fixture there that's there every fucking day. But I mean, that was yeah. And you brought it up to me. You're like, dude, uh, I was just talking. I'm like, no. Yeah, no, you weren't. <laughs> like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> Literally, like, yeah. Well, and I had I had been following you. Had, you know, once you guys started the podcast, I started following Brandon on Instagram or something like that. And so I remember saying to you, I was like, "Man, this is going to sound crazy, but like that guy right behind us looks just <laughs> like him." But I was like, "There's no way that's actually him." And then I looked to my right. And it was you. That's fucking. Yeah, I remember you. You were with like, your wife, and yeah. was it your wife's sister? Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and you had, I guess, won some money, and you were cashing in your chips. Maybe even getting ready to go home for the night. No, I was done. Yeah, I was on the way out. It was kind of late. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. hilarious. The fact yeah. that I That's, mean, we were literally speaking about you five seconds before he noticed you. Serendipitous. Yeah. Is that the word? Sure. Well, you could. You could. <laughs> that could fall into that category. God's hand, maybe. Yeah. 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 Some people would say a God wink. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Condolences to you and the family on your mom. You know, I had a great opportunity to meet your mom when we did the podcast at the Hubbard Radio Studios Mm -hmm. with Tim McKernan. Your mom came and I think she really enjoyed that day. And I could tell how proud she was of you and like how much she really enjoyed, you know, being in the radio station. And um, have you been, what have you been doing to take care of yourself? I mean, obviously you're super aware of this kind of thing. It was obviously something that you never saw coming. You know, tell us how you're doing and uh, what have you been doing to work on yourself? So I I, was, I didn't see it coming at all, like you said, at all. I mean, zero percent. I mean, I talked to her a couple hours before and then she passed in her sleep from a heart attack. Completely random. But uh, that was August 4th. And I, I can't say I've done – I mean, I'm, I'm physically working on myself. You right. know, I've been uh, – trying to take better care of my my health, you know, making trying to get ahead of any type of heart health issues that I might have 
that could come down to fucking yeah down the generational whatever the hell you know what I'm saying yes <laughs> hereditary correct so just getting ahead of that you know I've been working out and eating better and still eating my pizzas but you know doing my thing that is about the only thing i've been doing to take care of myself better i can't really say and i'd love to come on here and say hey this is what you guys should be doing sure this is what's the answer this is what i'm doing but i'm not doing the right shit i know that for a fact i'm staying busy i'm just i kind of just distancing myself from it okay avoiding i think yeah well Um, let me ask you this if someone has a similar situation Mm-hmm. that you went through with your mom, yeah. losing her unexpectedly. What kind of things would you tell them on how to handle it? Because you've okay. handled it in the last number, just handful of months. I don't know. That's the problem. Okay. I don't know. That's why I'm excited to talk to, to this dude here. Sure. Because he, you lost your parents, right? Yeah. So I lost my brother a couple of years ago out of nowhere too. my younger brother, Nick. And, you know, that was kind of me and my mom had a real bond over that because, you know, that was our, that was our Nick. And now I kind of, am alone in that. So I'm navigating some new waters. Right. You know, I'm just all over. I don't know. I, I don't have the answers here. <laughs> just well, staying busy okay. and avoiding the fuck out of it is what well, I'm that, doing. That's just it. Uh, yeah. Staying busy and uh, whatever people need to realize, whatever they need to do. Yeah. So for some people, it could be that, <laughs> which you just explained. For other people, it could be gardening. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Wholesome gardening. I mean, Kevin, tell us about like, and this is why I wanted to get you guys together. You know, tell us a little bit about, you know, the circumstances around. I mean, what I remember is you were living in Chicago. You moved back to be with your mom because she had cancer. And then kind of walk us through what, what, what happened after this? you moved where, back. Where are we going back to? I grew up here in St. Louis and moved to Chicago right after college. And I was up there for almost 20 years. So this was 2019. Oh, my God. You were in Chicago for 20 years? Yeah. Poor fucking guy. 20, 20, <laughs> 20 winters of Chicago. Oh. So I feel like I'm due for a you know nice vacation. <laughs> My mom had been battling cancer, you know, and it was kind of up and down. But she had been battling it for about 11 years. I think she was diagnosed in 2008. When she was going through chemo and things like that, I would fly home and. My sister and father both lived here, so they were driving her to chemo appointments, kind of taking care of her during the week, and I would come in on the weekends, so I basically lived in Chicago just for my job, and then came back here, and this would go on for three or four months, and then she would be okay, and so I would resume my life full-time in Chicago. Well, in March of 2019, my sister called me and said, hey, they're going to take mom off of chemo. And so I kind of knew what that meant. It meant, you know, not a good thing. Nothing else they can do. Yeah, yeah. That that We've done everything we can, and we've got to let it take its course. And so I immediately raced home to St. Louis. As I said, I grew up here, but I left my job right away. And I also left my condo. I didn't sell it or anything. And I'd owned it and just literally dropped everything. Packed up and left. Yeah. You know, it was just a feeling where I knew that it just felt right. That was what I needed to do and things like that. And so I came back home and my mother wasn't doing well. She was bedridden. But I was able to spend 24-7 with her. I slept in a room on the floor next to her bed, you know, and just tried to help her out. Now, we had a live-in nurse, which was very nice. What was more important to me was getting that time to be with her, you know. And so now when I look back, I say to people, there are people that get phone calls in the middle of the night. I had a cop knocking on my door at 9 a.m. Exactly, right? You know, and that... Despite what I've gone through, that won't ever happen to me. And so I try to look for the little blessings Mm -hmm. in my life. You know, we got to talk about life. We got to talk about me growing up. We got to talk about the future. It was just an amazing time to be of service to my mom, to give back, to basically nurse her as she had done for all of my life. And so it was very, very rewarding. It was a very special time in my life. She ended up passing. And after she passed, all eyes were on my dad. My mom and dad had been married for over 40 years at this point, 45 years, I believe. 
my dad had what's called pulmonary fibrosis, which is a lung disease and it's a non-curable disease. It is terminal, but thought it was going to be quite a few years. My dad was older than my mom. So we always kind of thought, you know, dad would, he's seven years older. So, you know, and men don't live as long as women. So we really never expected it to go the way that it did. Well, 37 days after my mother passes mm. away, my dad dies. Jesus. So I have now left my job. I'm unemployed. I'm homeless. And I'm living in my parents' house all by myself. And so my world is completely turned upside down. You know, it was a very, obviously a very difficult moment in my life. But there are things that I look back on and, you know, some of the things that I take away from it, you know, Brandon, like you mentioned, you know, Michael, you were asking like, how, what, how you taking care of yourself, stuff like that. One of the first things that comes to mind for me is that I would say to listeners is you have an opportunity right now today to do something for someone or with someone, make a phone call, send a text or whatever. Those kind of things to me are things that I now see in my life. I, we cannot change the past, but we can dictate the future. You know, so whether it's an argument, whether it's a tiff or, you know, cancel somebody's phone call because you're just too busy to talk, those kind of things, I think, you know, you can reflect on. You can't change the past, but you can, you know, kind of uh, see what's different. So that's one thing that I look at to sort of, I still have a sister, she's married, I have a two and a half year old nephew. And so there's just not a day that goes by that I don't think about my parents. I still grieve a lot. And maybe, you know, the other thing is, is that, that I would tell people is that, you know, I don't know if you experienced this, but for me, it's really the little things in life that I see, you know, whether you call it God or whatnot, I'm a religious person, so I see it in God. Those little things, I see my parents talking to me. I think about things that have happened in my life, and I think about how I was raised, what my parents would want to do. I think those kind of things really kind of honor your parents or brother or whoever it may be, you know, in memories and stuff like that. And that has really helped me with the grieving process, because while they physically might not be here, they can be with you in your heart. And how do you express that? And that, to me, that brings my parents back to me every single day. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, I think I struggle with is that I didn't get to say a lot of shit that I wish I would have. Yeah. Like you, like you just point on there, you know, because me and my mom kind of had a, you know, a couple of issues here at the end. Not really, but it was more along the lines of I, I wanted her to spend time with my with her uh, grandkids, and she loved to. She loved her grandkids, but you know she always seemed kind of like I'm busy. You know she had her shit going on, which is fine, all good. And we kind of I I think I was more hey spend more time with them. We kind of get get into it here and there, and I never really got a chance to tell her that uh I wasn't that upset about it. You know, wasn't I don't know. We kind of just didn't. I don't know a lot of shit. You don't get to say, and I get I get what you're saying, and it's like I didn't get to say a lot of shit. Yeah. And I never will. And yeah. It's like that kind of fucks you up. I would challenge you on that you never will. I think that, you know, and again, just for me and my life and my belief and things like that, I talk to my parents every day. And there were certainly arguments we had and stuff that growing up, being a kid, doing stupid stuff, and then being an adult and doing stupid stuff. But, you know, I'm just a big believer that you can still talk to them, you yeah. know? I was like that until she passed away. We would kind of, me and her, she was really big on signs about our, my little brother, Nick. She would be really big about signs. She was like, a song would come on. She was like, that's Nick. Yeah. Any fucking thing at all. And I, it got to the point where I was like, mom, that's just what's happening. Okay. I, 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 what? I drove past McDonald's. <laughs> Nick loved McDonald's. <laughs> and it's like, mom, that's fucking, there's a lot of McDonald's. We, she was really big on those things. And, um, I haven't got any of those from her. So kind of, I get all in my head about it. I'm like, what, is there anything after this? And it fucks me up, makes it worse for me. I don't know. We have covered so much here. Let's take a quick break and come right back. Looking for a dealership who cares about our community? Look to Lou. 
Blue Fuse gives back to local businesses and charities. Looking for a name that supports youth sports? Look to Lou for Fuse Athletic. And we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. Looking for a huge vehicle inventory? Look to Lou with 17 brands at 13 locations. For the very best car buying experience, you've got to look to Lou Fuse. The Street Smart Mental Health Podcast is powered by Birdies for Bipolar. Birdies for Bipolar aids veterans and civilians living with mental illness by using golf as recreational therapy. For more information, check out birdiesforbipolar.org. That's birdies, the number four, bipolar.org. Welcome back to Street Smart. Let's dig back in. Do, yeah. do you guys hear... Now that your parents are gone in this discussion, do you hear things they would say to you? Like now that they're gone, like in the sense that, okay, I have this situation. What would, what would my mom tell me at this point? Does that kind of thing happen? Cause I, my mom's still alive. So yeah, I, but I, I know that when she passes, I, if she happens to pass before me, I can hear, I'm going to hear her in my ear saying, don't do this. Yeah. 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 I, 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 yeah. So I guess I do have a sense of her being there, but I get a little tripped out. Like, cause she was like, why, if a week went by without a sign from Nick, she'd be like, why the hell wouldn't he give me any signs? She was real big about that. And I haven't gotten any. So I'm like, I don't know. Is she mad at me? Is she <laughs> fucking really gone like for good? I don't know. Weird shit. I just get all in my head. I'm new to this. You know what I mean? Absolutely. With the, with the, You're yeah. brand new. With That's, the parent thing. Like the loss yeah. of my brother, I, I navigated that the best I knew how. But my mom and I were real close. We were best buds. I mean, she even came on the podcast. Right. <laughs> you know, like. I mean, so, my guess would be, and of course, time will tell that you you will see things, I, I, you know, that will remind you, or that you'll be like, "Oh, that's her," just sending out some sort of yeah, maybe. Message. Yeah, I heard a priest one time in a homily say to me something that really has stuck with me for many, many years. He said, "You know, people say things like, oh, God gave me a sign,' or there, you know, this, that, and the other, and." His argument, he pushed back on that, and he said, look, what you're missing is, is you think that it's just one thing, and God is always giving you a sign, but it's a matter of whether or not you're paying attention or not. And that really then kind of changed my thinking to, oh, wow, what am I open to, right? If you you just... You know, go about your life and you do everything and you don't think about it. It's not probably going to be like right there. You know, that, that, you know, whether it's a flower growing, you know, out in the wild or whatever it is, you may walk by something all day long. I remember right after my mother passed and my father was still alive, I was taking care of him. I went out for a run. I remember specifically running down the road all of the sudden. There was this rainstorm out of nowhere. But before the rainstorm, I was thinking a lot of my mom, I was going to do the eulogy for her. So I was trying to go over it in my mind and I started crying. So I'm standing on the side of the road looking like a complete crazy person. Or maybe I just look like a runner who was struggling with running. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people just don't like to run. So and I started to cry and tears were rolling down my face. And just as that happened, it started to rain and it washed away the tears. And, you know, for me, that just I mean, it was like a godlike moment where I was like, this is my mom washing away my tears, you know, saying, Hey, you know, this, that, and the other, I actually have another kind of crazy, crazy story that I will try to generally talk about because I don't want to offend anybody or point. Let it fly. Brother. Let it fly. <laughs> well, I don't want to talk who this person is because they don't look very good. But what ended up happening was when I moved back to St. Louis, someone in my network had connected me with someone who was here. And this person who I'd never met before owned a business and the business of what they did was very similar to multiple skills and things that I was involved in. And I was kind of shocked that it was here in St. Louis. This person reaches out to me and now my mother has not passed at this point. I had just gotten back home. So I emailed them. We were going back and forth and we were going to set up coffee to just kind of meet and talk about St. Louis, talk about these things. And the last time I got a email from this person was April 29th. So I get this email and my mother passes away within 24 hours of that. 
So I, of course, don't respond back. But this person was trying to set up a meeting for coffee. And I then, what would have been early May, right, because it was the following week, decided to check all my old emails. I had not been looking at emails. And I found this person's email. Now, mind you, part of the story that you need to know is this is on a Sunday, and this is about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's also Mother's Day. So my dad and I are sitting there, you know, in the living room, and I emailed this person back thinking that they would get it on Monday morning. You know, they may be out with their mother, or if they've lost their mother like me, they would, you know, be having a tough time and thinking about their mother. So I write to this person, and I said... Hey, you know, I'm sorry. My mother passed away. And that's what took me so long to respond why it took a week. Now, this person was a former teacher. So that's important to know in their response. But now they were a business owner. Well, this person wrote me back. Now, this is literally within 15, 20 minutes of when I've sent the response. This person writes me back. And the opening line to the email is, Kevin, I used to be a teacher. That old line of, oh, my mom died, isn't going to fly. The homework is due on Tuesday or whatever. Like, trying to make light of this. Shut the fuck up. I am not kidding. I mean, this knocked me back to my core. (laughs) I would have gone through the computer. I was shaking. I was hyperventilating. I, I, I could not... I could not, I mean, it was, uh, uh, honestly, it was, I mean, I could feel it. It was trauma. It was a physical reaction. I was just like a scared little boy. You know, I remember talking to my dad and my dad kept saying things like, is the guy a drinker? Is he on drugs? Like, yeah. who says that kind of thing? Moron? Yeah, and like, look, we all have mothers. Even if we have bad relationships with our mothers, we pretty much all know when it's Mother's Day, right? right? You know, and so I'm going, oh my gosh. So now, what ends up happening is, is that I am LinkedIn friends with this person, and this person's backers who financially get their, you know, VCs and private equity who had been giving this person money, I'm connected with. And one of which was one of my old professors when I got my MBA and all this stuff. So my immediate reaction, I think most people can feel is I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get out there and this, that, and the other. I was going to screenshot it. I was going to put it on LinkedIn and say, this is the email. How do you all feel about this? You know, how do you feel giving this guy money? And I was going to take this guy down. (laughs) Fortunately enough, I have a good network of people that I called my sister. She was the first person I talked to, you know, because she could feel the same visceral reaction to this. And I called another one of our friends, PJ, and I sent him an email and I said, I first said, hey, PJ, I want to start this out by forwarding you this email. I want you to read this email below. But my first reaction is to go after this guy. But I know in my heart that, you know, hurting him won't bring my mother back and it won't honor my mother by making this guy lose his job and his company and everything he worked for. So I'm just looking for advice. And PJ, I I had sent PJ that message the next morning. Then I went out for a run. I like to run. I was running around this lake out in Chesterfield. And PJ sent me a message back in classic PJ. The first opening line to PJ was, I am so sorry you're going through this. And that line right there really meant a lot to me because... It really showed, you know, what's important because it wasn't even addressing mad or someone saying something idiotic. It was just compassion. Mm -hmm. And that should have been the response from the guy who (laughs) sent you the original message. Absolutely. I mean, it's just absurd. I mean, it, it, I, I can't even believe what what a lack of awareness. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, and it's interesting that you mentioned that lack of awareness. So, you know, PJ concurred and, of course, said, you know, it's not going to bring your mom back. And we kind of talked about that. So it really kind of talked me down off the ledge. Now, the second crazy part of this story is, is that I end up lower on down into the email. It said something like. Hey, all kidding aside, I mean, this was like a whole nother paragraph. And it said, all kidding aside, reach out to me when you're ready or something. So 
I ended Did this up, person think you were joking about your mom dying? I, I, I mean, I mean it, well, what a moron. I'll, I'll get to why why I think this person did it, which is just the guess. I don't know. But I ended up about a few days later, I calmed down. I ended up sending an email back and it was very short and we just made a time and a date and I was going to go into his office. With, so I, with a sword. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Right. right? <laughs> so I drive over there and I'm driving my mother's car and I park her car and I sat in the car and I just said a little prayer and I said, mom, give me the strength not to kill this guy, you know, because I thought I was going to leap across the table and just strangle yeah, him, you know? Sure. And I said, I need you to help me to be the man that you raised me to be, to do the right thing. So I went in there and I went into the meeting and it, this was, it was even nuttier than the email because right away he shakes my hand, offers me coffee and, you know, sits me down and he says, you know, oh, you know, and starts talking about work, starts talking about his company. And then he asked me how I got home. I started talking about it and he stops me and he goes, oh my gosh, let me say, I am really sorry for your loss. If this occurred to me, I wouldn't even be able to get out in public. So I don't know how you're doing this right now. And I said, thank you, this, that, and the other. And so we went on and we had this meeting and it was fine and everything. And it wasn't until a few weeks later, I talked to another friend who happened to be in the industry and he happened to loosely know of this company that this guy was running. And he said to me, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like he has autism. Now, you know, depending on being on the spectrum where you are, you don't have very good social cues sometimes. Interesting. But you're also highly intelligent, very mathematical, those kind of characteristics. And right then and there, it really rang in my head because my mother was to me, the sweetest person in the world. She, everybody always says that to me, even to this day. She was always so kind, and especially to people who were elderly or handicapped or anything like that. My mom would always go out of way to say hello, to use their name, to treat them like a human being. And right then and there, when I heard that, it really really kind of brought my mom home to me. And it really, I mean, my mom was right then and there because I did the right thing, not because I decided to, but because my mother raised me to be the person that I am. So when you talk about, do you see your parents or do you hear them, those voices all the time for me, all the time, because, you know, a lot of the time, there are things that I don't want to do or that are difficult to do or whatnot. You know, I hear my mom and dad, you know, this, that, and the other. I say to my sister all the time, you know, I can hear dad saying yada, yada, yada. And so for me, that's, that's very important. That's a big portion of my grief is seeing and feeling them every, every day in yeah. those kind of things. Well, and that was a reasonable explanation for it too, because I couldn't, because I guess one of the things I've read about uh, people with autism is maybe emotionally, they don't yeah. connect as well. And certainly by bringing up your mom's death, acting as if it was, you know, an excuse <laughs> like that you yeah. didn't do your homework. Right. Uh, that, that, uh, that I guess explains uh, a little bit better, but yeah, I would have been in this. It wasn't even funny, right? Like, no, you know, like, no. I mean, and that's why I was like, there's, there's just something wrong here. So whatever yeah. happened, you end up working with the no, guy? No, no, no. I, I didn't end up working with the guy and I never did talk to him after that. I, but I knew that this was not something I wanted to get into. So, you know, I've never, I, I honestly don't even remember the person's name, but if I started describing what they did, I think a lot of your listeners would be able to point out who this person is. So I'm going to leave it at that. Richard Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the 20 minute conversation we had about Richard Simmons before we started. Recording I'm sure here. plenty of people are very familiar with Richard Simmons work. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's, that's wild. You never told me that story yeah. before. And, yeah. maybe, and you know what? I guess maybe looking back on it now, that story wasn't so much about your mom's death or you grieving. It was about, you honoring her by not flying over the table at the guy when you, as soon as you walked in his office. Because also, as you told the story, he didn't really mention it or kind of bring it up until 
you were already like well into the meeting. Yeah. So his, his awareness, yeah. and maybe that was wise because he, he was on the spectrum and he didn't, it didn't register with him as well. It was funny because like he didn't even bring it up right away, but then later on, he, he, he was saying very kind things of like, I'm sorry for your loss. And also I couldn't do what you're doing right now. Like, it, it, you know, and he even was like, saying, you know, my mother passing would destroy me that I couldn't get out in public and right. get out of bed. And I'm like, yeah, well, you probably would think that's probably not something to joke about then. Well, yeah. and his original message was basically stating that his coffee meeting was more important than her passing. Absolutely. Yeah, which is really bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, no matter if you have autism or not, really. Yeah. But. It sounds like you're very compassionate and you do it and you get the compassion from your mother. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. And you Thank have you. empathy. You have empathy, yeah. which is also a very good trait to have. So, do you think there was when you told the story about your dad dying? Was it thirty-seven days later? Yeah. I, when I hear that, I think of Johnny Cash and his bride dying. You know, that it was almost yeah. like they couldn't live without each yeah, other. Yeah, do you think June, there was right? June Carter Cash? Yeah, sure. yeah. Reese Witherspoon in the movie. Great, great fucking movie. Do you think there was any of that going on in the sense that you know they're married for such a long time? Like I see that. I kind of see that with my parents. You know, like I don't yeah. know how. One's going to do any good without the other. You know? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely do. I think that he just, you know, subconsciously just checked out and said, this right. is it for me. My dad was a real old school kind of guy. Lived through World War II, had seen everything, moved around. He was always older than most of my friends' parents and things like that. So I had never actually ever seen my father cry. I had once heard him cry when I was about 11 or 12 years old. His mother, my grandmother, obviously, had passed away, and I was spending the night out at a friend's house, and I came home, and my mother and sister were there at the door, and they told me what happened. My father, he grew up in Chicago, so he had left. My grandmother had passed that night. He had already left and flown up to Chicago, so he was gone when I got home. He called... And we talked and, you know, he, I could hear him crying on the phone, but I'd never seen him cry. And then when my mom was sick in the night that she passed, we brought my dad in and that was the only time I had ever physically ever seen the man cry. And I mean, he broke down and, you know, it was a, a really interesting moving thing for me because it really kind of woke me up to go, wow, you know. You always look at your parents, but they're just your parents. Sometimes I think we don't think that they're real human beings. And that then and there really showed me of what a partnership and what a love that they had for each other that I never really understood or could fathom or to have that connection to somebody else. I now absolutely believe that even if his mind wanted to keep going, his heart was broken and it right. just, you know, he just was too much. wasn't going to carry on. I, mean, I looked into that. That's a real thing, too. And it's not like some supernatural shit. Like, it's like when you go through grief, like, I'm going through a lot of grief brain right now. For sure. I'm all fucking, like, 100%. I, I'm not, like, and I've been looking a lot into grief yeah. brain, like the brain, the fucking prefrontal cortex and all the shit that the physical body goes through whenever you're grieving. Your body releases a ton of cortisol and shit. So, I mean, you could literally, when you're grieving, you can die from that yeah like it's a real thing it's yeah i mean they're, crazy. They're, they're, as they say i mean this saying of you dying from a broken heart is yeah. a real thing yeah yeah i mean you know when we first started this conversation i asked brandon you know kind of what kind of things he was working on and you know to his credit like yeah this is all new this just happened to him right he's mentioned a little bit of exercise but you know kevin knowing you the way i know you like Obviously, that stretch, certainly that 37-day stretch between the time that your mom passed and your dad passed, that had to be just unbelievable, unbelievably challenging. Mm -hmm. And I know since then, you've done a lot of things. I know you're a big believer in talk therapy. So you, certainly, you mentioned you're running. Like, What were some of those things that people listening out there that may go through kind of some of the stuff that you've done to kind of pull yourself out of that, that grief area or that depression area from losing someone that you care about so much, or two people in your case? Yeah, I, you know, definitely that, you know, I, I listen, I'm a big fan of you guys' podcast. So, well, of course, yeah. of course our podcast has <laughs> got to be the best yeah. thing. <laughs> uh, we so know. I would recommend listening to your podcast. That would be Real first good. and foremost. We'll have you on a commercial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, send in money. Yeah. Uh, then I would say one thing that you and I talk about a lot, Michael, is, you know, physical. You've got to get out, you've got to exercise. 
And I will, I know that Michael might not like this one. What One thing that I hear a lot on your podcast that I just don't do, it just doesn't work for me, is music. And yeah, I, I know He's that's the only one. That's, hey, yeah, it comes up every time, one way or the other. <laughs> right, you're the it's only not one that, that you're not like against it. it. No, yeah. it's not but that I'm you're against not it. an it avid listener. Yeah. yeah, it just doesn't He's against work music. for me. He's right. completely against music. <laughs> Anti music guy. <laughs> but the reason why I brought that up is because you know, again, to your listeners, I would say find the things that are for you. Don't do, right. Brandon. I'm sure that you recognize with grief. We hear people say it. But it's hard to really, really understand that you've got to figure out, you know, we all grieve in different ways and you've got to figure out what works for you. Maybe it's going to a cemetery. Maybe it's going for a run. Maybe it's meditating, you know, that looking at old pictures, things like that. I have found that. Bringing up old memories doesn't really work so well for that me. Fucks me up. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't do that. It, it, that I don't even you like know, looking at old pictures. Yeah, it, it, it that gets really, really difficult. I think that's some of the hard part. But it's cliche to say, but it, you know, I would also say the number one thing is you just got to be good to yourself. You know, you've you've got to be kind, no matter what you're doing. I don't care if you're crying every day i don't care if you're in bed all day and i don't care if you're drinking too much you know you've got to take it easy on yourself and know that hey this is part of the life part of the process and don't beat yourself up get back out there keep working on it physical activity has been a real big one for me and then also and a bigger thing is finding joy you know started to find real joy in my life and meaning in my life after this, I mean, one of the most amazing things that it has occurred is that there's this dichotomy for me of that in a weird way, my parents passing is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. It's also the hardest thing that's ever happened to me and the worst thing, but it has given me a new lease on life. It's given me perspective. You know, I I look at things now and I just... I almost laugh now when I, I had a friend, she was worried about, I don't know, it was some, something she ordered didn't come in time or something. And she was like, oh, you know, asking about it or something. And I said to her, look, things happen. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. I just <laughs> like, say, is anybody yeah. dead or yeah. is anybody dying? I get that. I get that. I get where you're going with that. And for sure. I look at that kind of thing and struggles and adversities. And now there's nothing that I don't think I can face, you know, I yeah. mean, you know, and especially what you've been through with your brother, your mom, and also, you know, your, your dog. I mean, it seemed like those mm. were all coming one, two, three for you. Oh my That's right. Dude, I, this 2023 started butchered. off by me losing one of my really close friends, Chris Sen, and then immediately my grandpa and then my mom and then my dog gets hit by a fucking car. Yeah. It's like you couldn't catch a break there. You give twenty twenty three back to the Indians. Well, we were gonna we were gonna do this podcast much sooner, but then yeah. the dog. Yeah. yeah, and and you were like, man, yeah. I hate to tell you this, but she's good. She's good now. But yeah, fuck, good. man, like Jesus, dude. I, so one thing I I could I could use maybe some pers or some advice or not some advice, but some I don't know, just fucking hear me out. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> one thing that I'm dealing with is like. You ever hear dissociation? Yeah. Derealization? Sure. Where you just feel like you're in a fucking dream? Yeah. You just kind of hear? And yeah. shit just goes, like, you're just living? You know what I mean? Like, does that get better? Like, I feel like, and, and the reason that I, I know why it happens, like I said, I've been real, I've been digging into this shit hardcore, but it's my brain basically set, taking a back seat to hide from the trauma and the grief. Yeah. So it's like, I'm kind of just fucking disconnected and kind of stepped back, like, behind a curtain. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And it's like, when the hell is I, I, I'm not finding like, I used to love barbecuing. I used to love fucking, I'm not doing any of those things anymore. Cause I'm just like, I don't, I don't like them as much. Cause I don't feel like I'm there all yeah. the way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Totally. Weird as fuck. And one of the things that has also happened in my life is that, so my parents passed away in 2019 and then my best friend in the world, I grew up with him. I was traveling throughout 
2020, 2021, when COVID was going on, I went international and things like that. I had known this guy since I was eight years old. We talked every single day. We went to the same grade school, went to the same high school. We actually graduated from the same college. And he was basically like part of my family. And he was a single guy, no kids. So we were hanging out all the time. I came home in April of 2021. And literally the day that I got home, From the airport, I was in my sister's living room and I got a phone call and he had died. And he was my age. It was completely unexpected. And it was difficult there. And it was a different kind of grief because, you know, my father was 83 years old when he passed away. Yeah. My buddy was 42 years old, you know, so I thought him and I had another 40 years together. Right. My dad wasn't going to live to 123 years old. I mean, I kind of had assumed that that That's wasn't going to happen. You it know? happens. I'm, gonna, I'm not know. a doctor, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that wasn't going to occur. But So when he was gone, that was really, really then sending me into another tailspin. And one of the things that I have learned from all this, and the reason why I bring up like physical activity and things like that is, and kind of the themes of your podcast is that I think what's really unfortunate, and I know the message that you guys are trying to get out there is that we all do so well. We see Richard Simmons, we see workout videos, right? We see these things. We see, you know, YouTube videos of people working out, but how often do we see something where people go, Hey, from three to four every day, I work on my mental health, right? You know, if we could do one thing, that's what I think would be most important for people. It's an interesting thing. After my parents had died, it was dealing with a lot of stuff and I got in a, on an antidepressant that I'm still on today. And I don't even think that I really need to take this. Honestly, it could be a complete placebo and I have no idea. Yeah. But what happens every morning for me, I have a routine. I take that little pill and I look at it and I say to that little pill, I'm doing this because I'm in charge of my mental health. I am responsible for it. And that for me has been one of the best things to happen is to say, hey, I'm going to actively go after this. I'm going to work on this every single day. Now, there's not always going to be great days. So that sort of disassociation, I totally get because I didn't get it so much from my parents. But when my buddy Bobby did pass, that's when it really hit me. I mean, I think I was in denial for I'm talking, you know, months, if not a full year. And I still deal with those kind of things. But Really, what I have found is, is that instead of doing that disassociation, what I then try to do is try to be way more active and and not just physically active, but saying, hey, what is it that I can do in my life to bring me joy or where am I being hard on myself? So whether it's saying I'm going to go for a run or whether it's. There's just people in your life, as Michael and I were talking yesterday and this morning, you know, there were just, you know, maybe somebody comes up who's just maybe not bringing joy and goodness into your life. They're bringing you down or whatnot. Maybe having to say, hey, I I just can't have this person in my life. I hear that. So that disassociation, I think, comes from, at least for me. You know, I think we all get on autopilot, right? We go to work, we deal with our spouse, we deal with our children, whatever it may be, we just go through the motions. And ever since all of these things have happened to me, I've stopped going through the motions. And I've just said, I've taken care of myself physically. I've really tried to make a conscious effort on keeping things out of my life that just aren't healthy for me, you know, whether it's, you know, and here's the other major, major thing that I would say for my mental health, I always say there are three things you got to do to have a good life. Number one is you got to have exercise or physical activity. Number two is you've got to have a good, healthy diet. And number three is you've got to focus on recovery sleep. And those are your three pillars in life. If you do those three things, you will have a good life, both mentally and physically, in my opinion. Now, I also believe, though, of those three foundational things, sleep is the A number one thing. A number one thing. I mean, I always remember my dad would say, if you weren't feeling well, he'd say, take some Robitussin or NyQuil, 
And he goes, get a good night's rest. Get a good night's rest. Get. I mean, that was the answer to everything. Robert, get a good Robert night's rest. will knock your ass out, yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep, for me, I have found to be, we talk about it. I'm a, a freak about my sleep routine. I wear unbelievable gadgets that you probably wouldn't even be able to figure out you have very uh to sleep interesting yes. <laughs> yeah you got a, like a ridiculous mattress and blankets as well yes yes i have a, okay. a, a cover on my mattress and what this in in it, it right, sits right next to it is a thing that looks like a computer it's like a cpu unit and what this thing does is so it's a mattress cover and it goes to this computer looking thing and it heats and cools your bed so what it does is, is it works on your sleep cycles and it gets you into REM and things like that. So throughout the night, it changes and it keeps your body temperature. And it is one of the best things that has ever I've ever invested. We got to drop a link for that. You got yeah. is it Amazon? You get it or uh, no? It like you have to order it directly from the company. It's called Sleep Eight. It is spelled out E E I G H T. They sponsor a lot of uh, Tim Ferriss's podcasts and things like that. It's real big in the tech world. I think this is one of the biggest things. If you're listening on Sleep 8, call in and sponsor this podcast. I'm a big proponent of it. You're getting a free shout out right now. <laughs> the next one's going to cost you. Mm-hmm, uh, sleep, this has really helped me it regulate the body temperature. You know, I also, I do blue light glasses, you know, before uh, I actually have three different levels of blue light glasses. One, you can't really see. They're just like clear glasses. Two, they're like yellow. And the third one is orange. So much so that I can't, it's, you cannot tell the difference between green and blue when you're wearing these things. But they have really helped me wind down with my sleep. But again, whether you're talking about being good to yourself or whatnot, I think those three foundational things with sleep being the most important I don't believe that there's anything that sleep can't cure. And for me, it's about taking the reins and saying, this is my life and I'm going to work on it. And just saying there's nothing more important than sleep. You uh, said something back there that I want to piggyback on mm-hmm. because I think it's very important. You said that a lot of people don't spend enough time working on their mental health. Now, that could be exercise. That could be cryotherapy, whatever. One of the things that jumps in my mind when you say that is, and I've talked about this a lot on this program, is the gratitude journal. I figured out that if you sit down and do a 15-minute gratitude journal every day where you fill up each line on the piece of paper and the loose-leaf paper in the notebook, it takes about 15 minutes, right? Well, per month, that's about 450 minutes per month, which averages out to seven and a half hours a month of concentrated time on your mental health, right? And you know, you said earlier, Kevin, kind of touched on it too, like, you got to find the things that you like, the things that work for you. Some, just because we like music, maybe yeah. that's not the choice God for you. Music. Right. you hate music. Fucking hate music. You're against okay. music. But your point about people not spending enough time on their mental health, whether it's exercise or something like I mentioned about the journal, that's very true. But if you can find ways... You know, let's say somebody goes to an Orange Theory class, you know, yes. three times a week or five times a week. That's three to five concentrated hours on working on your mental health, even though it's a physical activity. That's the kind of thing people need to understand. You need to, to break up time to do things for yourself to take care of yourself better. And I think that's what people need to understand as they move forward. Absolutely. And I would completely agree with that. I would also challenge your listeners out there that... I think, and you know, also Brandon, I would challenge you to say, I think that there are already, I believe, I know that there are things in your life that you already have, but you may not be focused on it. And mm-hmm. so I follow you on social media, right? So whether it's, you know, grilling, you, I know you like to grill, you know, and have a beer. The difference is, is that are you going through the motions because you're just like, well, hey, I'm going to, oh, I need to cook dinner for my family and it's sunny outside, so I'm going to have a beer? Or do you take a moment and go, hey, wow, you know, like, this is my happy place. This is where, and really try to open up your eyes and really try and, I mean, I hate to sound cliche, but live in the moment and yeah. embrace that moment. It, you know, one of the big things for me that I've done is I love horses and I've always been a horse racing fan, but I only recently during COVID started riding horses. I'd always ridden a horse before, but um, it was only you know, and a trail ride in Colorado and I hadn't done it since I was like 10 years old. So I was 42 years old and I was in Argentina and I went to this riding lesson where this guy was going to teach me 
how to play polo. I was scared to death. And even the guy later on said, I've never seen somebody so bad at riding a horse. Is that where you're on the horse and you fucking like golf yeah. at the same time or yeah. some shit? And it's hit like the ball. hockey kind of. Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay. It's a hockey same on day, a horse. Kind of a mixture. Identical. Yeah. Same exact thing. And now... I uh, now I've gotten all into it. I've bought horses. I ride as much as I can almost every day. I try to revolve my life around it. I try to do it in season. Obviously, here in the cold of St. Louis, you can't ride right now. It's funny because it was something I was doing, but I didn't realize I was doing it until I had been talking with people and I go to therapy. That's another obviously very big thing. And my therapist had said to me, where do you find true joy, right? Mm -hmm. And I, it really, like a light bulb went off, and it was on the back of a horse. Now, I think also, this may help you, Brandon, on the back of a horse, you're going about 30 or 35 miles an hour. You can't really be thinking about other things, right? You know, because you got to concentrate on, my God, hopefully I don't fall off this thing. Fucking Christopher Reeves, that shit. I I don't know. Exactly. So I really have recognized that on the back of the horse, that's where... All of that grief, all yeah. of that pain that's, just really kind of goes away. And maybe fair. that yeah. happens for you, you know, when you're barbecuing or whatnot. But again, I think it comes back to this point of you've got to be aware, you've got to take the time, whether it's an hour a day with a gratitude journal or whatever it may be, whatever you try to identify, the awareness has to come first. You have to be compassionate to yourself, but you have to find and say, where is the time for me? And then not only once, it's not just blocking off from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m., it's also then sitting in that moment and going, man, I'm, I'm really, you know, there are times now all the time I was very fortunate. I was playing polo down in Barbados and we were on this polo field. You could see it's way up on the hill, but you could see all the way out to the ocean. I mean, one of the best views in the entire country. I remember just sitting there going, I am so fortunate to be here and to be able to do this. And that really has been one of the biggest things to help me with grief is gratitude. But that recognition of, hey, where is this? Resist that urge to just go through the motions. Resist that urge to just got to be at work at eight, got to, you know, home by five, put the kids, you know, just, you know, and maybe as Michael said, maybe it's, you know, a few minutes in the morning of writing down gratitude. But again, there's no one key answer, right? You know, music works for you. It doesn't work for me, but it's taking that consciousness to go, man, what is it that I'm doing in my life that's just for me and for my heart and for my head? Yeah. Every day, it's almost like like going through the motions. It's like a rerun from yesterday. It's like a fucking, just a rerun. Kind of a rerun of, of an episode. Yeah. A bit of a it's just like, oh, I'm doing this now. Now I got to do this. Now I'm doing that. And I'm doing this. Then I'm doing that. I, I, I'm going to there, man, with, with my own depression, right? Like, And that's kind of what I was going to get on, <laughs> piggyback on what you said again. If you notice that, not just you, but anybody, if anybody notices that, hey, I'm not doing the things that I used to enjoy. Like I ran into this with golf. Like when I was really depressed, I wouldn't even want to go to the golf course. Well, that's not me. Yeah. You cooking food, barbecuing. Well, that's not you. If you don't want to do it, that's not you. So what I would say to people is like, be aware when your depression or your anxiety or your grief is taking away or tries, not taking away, but tries to take away the things that you love to do. Like I was recently with a friend of mine who is going through some depression and they, weren't going to the golf course anymore. And this person loves golf, like is passionate, but like didn't have the energy because the depression had kind of taken over. So I feel like people need to realize, hey, because sometimes when you're depressed, you don't realize it. And you're like, well, I used to do this and I used to do all these things. And now I'm not doing that. And just be aware of like, oh, if you're if something is keeping you from doing the things you normally like, well, that might require a little bit more work to get out of that depression or to escape that anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, in, in one of the things, kudos to you, Mike, that Mike and I have known each other for a while. And I sort of he's sort of like my spiritual advisor. He's like my guru. You know, even before all of th- these things have happened, you know, I would reach out and just, you know, he would say, how, how are things going or whatnot? My job's not going well. Or, you know, I did this or whatever. I got in an argument with somebody. He would always hit and say, you know, well, 
how's the drinking? You know, are, are you drinking a lot? And then you would say, how about physical activity? You know, even if I'd say I, I had a bad day, he would say, well, have you got, have you gotten a workout yet today? You know, and I think that that's so helpful to, you know, have somebody with you, but also to, for all of us in our mind to just go, Hey, I'm just going to take one thing today to work on my mental health or mm-hmm. to work in, you know, to do it for myself. Let yeah. me, let me explain that. Cause I actually want to give him some credit. That all comes from my dad. Every time that I, over the years, when I would struggle with my bipolar, I would call my dad and I would bitch. I would go into the bitch, you know, mode, right? And the first thing he would say every time would be like, when was the last time you worked out? And then I, and it was a trump card because I couldn't, if I hadn't worked out, which most of the time, if I was in that mode, I hadn't. He'd lie to me like like, this morning. He'd be like, call me after you work out. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I mean, sometimes you just need someone to like ask you one question that can change your entire momentum. Yeah. Right. The other thing that I would add on to that is that I think there's a little other subtle thing in there of not just working out or whatnot, but it's taking ownership totally of your mental health or taking accountability. Ownership. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm a big fan of Jocko, you know, he's got a book, extreme ownership. And that's, that really has helped me with things where you know, you just say, I cannot, whether it's your mother or your parents or your best friend or your brother, control that they passed away. But what I can control, you know, and again, going to stoic, you know, philosophy, which I really also love, it's not about what happens to us, it's how we react to it. And so when you do call your dad and say, oh, you know, things are da-da-da, you know, and saying to you, well, have you worked out today? It really just, that little shift starts to say, it's not about what happens to us. Because we can all complain and say, oh, I lost my job or my boss is a jerk or all of these different things. But what can I do about it? You know, I had a real good friend in Chicago. His name is Wendell. And uh, one time we were hanging out. I was dealing with a issue at work. It was a guy that I had worked with and I was frustrated. And he knew this guy because Wendell and I worked in the same industry. Wendell and his girlfriend were sitting there. I was complaining about the guy and everything was this guy's wrong, this, that, and the other, you know, had kind of said something kind of brash where he just said, well, what are you going to do about it? Good question. I don't really remember what I answered, but what I always remember was the next day he approached me and said, hey, you know, my girlfriend, who's now his wife, had said to me when they were alone, hey, that was kind of a harsh thing to say to Kevin when he's going through this. And so he came back to me and said, I hope you understand what I'm saying. He goes, I completely agree with what you're saying and how this other guy might be in the wrong and this, that, and the other. But when I say, what are you doing about it, is that complaining about things or pointing the finger does nothing. It does nothing. You just said it for me. So I have a friend in Chicago, James Bernard Connors, got great man. He always said, when he, he had to quit drinking and when he was challenged with his own depression, he would say, you know what? I got really good at pointing the finger at other people but I had to learn to get good at pointing the thumb at myself. Absolutely. And that's what, when you're taking care of yourself, whether you're an alcoholic or you've got bipolar like I do, or you suffer from anxiety, whatever it might be, you've got to point the thumb at yourself and say, okay, what do I need to do to feel better to fix what's going on around me? Because the only way to fix things that are going on around you that aren't good is to change a little bit. So a lot of people are good at that. They're great at pointing oh, the yeah. thing and saying, oh, well, you, you don't know, or you do this, and <laughs> nobody ever points the thumb at themselves. Yeah. Yeah, they do. It's accountability. Just, it's rare. Accountability. Exactly. 100%. Yeah, you know, and, and as I mentioned, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, philosophy and, you know, Ryan Holiday, who's an author, he has a podcast, he does, uh, you know, a lot of different things. You know, he tells that story of Hurricane Carter, who was the, uh, the boxer. You know, I'm, I'm drawing wrongfully blank. accused. Yes. I believe. And not only wrongfully accused, he spent like 20 years in jail. Yeah. What happened? So, he was a boxer like in the 60s or 70s, and he. Well, they, you they, probably know his story without knowing it. Yeah. You know the song by Bob Dylan? Denzel you know, did Hur- the movie. Yeah, Hurricane. You know, and he says, I've walked into a bar like a hurricane. I'm not a good singer. but nah. Well, you don't the, like music. Right. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, we wouldn't <laughs> expect you to. So, but yeah, his story's pretty famous. Yeah, and, I mean, you should and, check it out. It's, and so what happened was he got wrongfully accused, and he spent like 20 years in jail, oh, and then he got released. 
And they interviewed him. They said, well, what are you going to do, you know, like about this? Like, are you angry or something about your the people that put that did this to you? Because he was also a black man in the South. And so there was a, you know, obviously highly racist of why this all went on. And his answer was, they took 20 years of my life. I will not give them one more minute of my life, right? And I think that that is such a, you know, and how many of us, you know, have ever spent 20 years in jail, right? You know, but my guess. But how we can add it all up. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not 20 years, though. You know, but how many of us sit there and blame yeah. the 20 years or blame that yeah. our boss or blame our job exactly. or whatever, or, you know, blame something else. And instead of just going, wow, man, I, you know, I'm responsible for this. Well, Kevin, Heaney, I knew you would be a wonderful guest. Uh, you knew you would be a wonderful <laughs> guest, I would imagine, but thank you for sharing. Uh, yeah, really, man. Really appreciate uh, it. Yeah, of really course. Sure. Today. Thank and, you. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to have you back on down the road. Brandon, uh, good to be back across the table from your brother. Yeah, you too, man. I, I missed you. Yeah, I missed you too. Uh, <laughs> we'll try and get uh, a few more in uh, before this new year, after the new year. And um, So for Kevin Heaney, Brandon Magnamy, I'm Michael Wellington. Thank you for listening to Street Smart. Come back and see us next time. Thank Love you. Bye. <laughs>